Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you wish to be on the program, happy to have you call in. I saw this story and I, you know, you, you never really know now. My suspicion is it wasn't here. But my goodness, um, this is, here's the headline. This is from Fox News. I'll just give you the headline. I'll I'll tell you, it was not here. It was in the Isle of Man, a part of Great Britain. Drag queen forces child to leave class for denying 73 genders. School teaches anal sex to 11-year-olds. The Isle of Man government has suspended sex education at schools after a drag queen allegedly forced a student to leave class for refuting the concept of 73 genders, according to a new report from The Telegraph. A petition from parents of students attending Queen Elizabeth II High School previously called for an immediate investigation into the curriculum. The petition was addressed to the school's head teacher, Charlotte Clark, and signed by more than 500 people. We consider the attendance of a drag queen in class and alienating students clearly confused about the information discussed during the session wholly inappropriate. Speaking with Energy uh, Minister uh, Marin Parish Commissioner's Vice Chairman Eliza claimed that children as young as 11 were taught by a drag queen and told there are 73 genders. One student responded that there were only two genders, which prompted the drag queen to say, you've upset me and ask the student to leave. The representative also alleged that one group of students was taught how to perform anal and oral sex. Another group was shown how skin grafts are taken from a patient's arm to create um, artificial body parts for transgender men. Some students were traumatized. That's in the Isle of Man, but you can see it happening here in this country, can't you? I mean, to some degree, it already is happening here. And meanwhile, there is this story from CNN. Listen to this. They they play it straight, but there, there's a side story here. A Vermont girls high school basketball team forfeited an out-of-state tournament after refusing to play against a team that had a transgender player. Mid-Christian, mid-Vermont Christian school, was set to play Long Trail School on February 21st. (laughs) Long Trail School. (laughs) But MVCS forfeited the game due to a transgender player on Long Trail's women's roster having a long trail, according to the head of school. We withdrew from the tournament because we believe playing against an opponent with a biological male jeopardizes the fairness of the game and the safety of our players. Allowing biological males to participate in women's sports sets a bad precedent for the future of women's sports in general. The Vermont Principals Association allows transgender athletes and said it reiterates its support for each student. The long trail team advanced to round two of the tournament due to the forfeit and played on Friday. CNN has received no response. 
Now, you should note CNN played this largely straight, but uh, the wokes are coming out of the woodwork for this Christian school in Vermont for daring to stand up for its girls. Ironically here, most Americans oppose transgender women and girls competing with other women and girls in high school sports. 55% of Americans oppose it in high school sports. 58% oppose it in college sports. Three in 10 Americans said transgender women and girls should be allowed to compete. Only 30%. 15% have no opinion, and you know darn well that most of them actually don't think it should happen, but they're scared to death to say anything because they're afraid the media will turn on them. And meanwhile, there's this framing uh, from David Byler at the Washington Post. Donald Trump's new gender policy proposals, which would bar federal agencies from promoting the concept of sex and gender transition at any age and require the government to recognize male and female as assigned at birth as the only genders are aimed both at his fervent base and the general electorate. Religious Republicans are most alarmed about the spread of transgender acceptance. And while Americans have become more supportive of general non-discrimination laws, some specific anti-trans policy measures have become more popular. For example, keeping men out of women's bathrooms and also out of their girl sports. It's interesting that... um, They lament here in this piece that Americans are turning against the transgender crowd. And really what it is, is it's turning against the transgender activists who are bullies, who based on logic and science can't win the argument. The Washington Examiner actually had a piece yesterday about how the science studies that supposedly show that transgenderism is a normal biological thing aren't actually done using any scientific methodology. It's just based on feelings. Meanwhile, Tate Reeves, the governor in Mississippi, has signed a bill banning transgender health care for minors. It's the seventh state to enact a restriction on transition-related health care for minors. Tate Reeves, the governor, said there is a dangerous movement spreading across America today. It's advancing under the guise of a false ideology and pseudoscience is being pushed onto our children through radical activists, social media, and online influencers, and it's trying to convince our children that they are in the wrong body. This dangerous movement attempts to convince these children that they're just a surgery away from happiness. It threatens our children's innocence, and it threatens their health. He's not wrong. Now, all of this is actually related in a way to this from Adam Hoffman, who's a senior at Princeton University. This is in the New York Times today. Let me let me read you some of this. In the not-so-distant past, the typical college Republican idolized Ronald Reagan, fretted about the national debt, and read Edmund Burke. Political sophistication to that person implied belief in the status quo. For that bygone breed, an education and an elite institution was a moderating finishing school. Even the American university skewed liberal, but the conservatives of old had real opportunities to make their case in the public square. At my own school, Princeton, I've been told politics were mostly separate from personal relationship. How things have changed. 
Today's campus conservatives embrace a less moderate, complacent, and institutionalized approach to politics. Instead of belief in the status quo, many tend towards scorched earth politics, but these changes aren't solely the consequence of fractured national politics. They're also the result of puritanically progressive campuses that alienate conservative students from their liberal peers and college as a whole. The distrust of authority, the protest, and the disobedience that have characterized the left's activism over the past half century or so have arrived on the right. The American universities that once served as moderating finishing schools have become breeding grounds for conservative firebrands. The story of this transformation, according to the social psychologist Jonathan Haidt, started around 2014 when Gen Z arrived on campus. The new progressive students were less tolerant of heterodox ideas and individuals. Demands to rescind invitation to speakers seemed to spike. The terms microaggression and trigger warning made it into everyday campus parlance. At Yale, for instance, a lecturer's suggestion that students should determine which Halloween costumes are acceptable for themselves ignited a firestorm. These changes were felt on my campus, too. Princeton has become a much more politicized place in the past 10 years, said Thomas Kelly, a philosophy professor. It's also become more progressive. Diversity training sessions blatantly endorse progressive ideas. Espousing a colorblind ideal, for example, is deemed a micro-invalidation. Bureaucrats police conduct and speech. Many programs cater to left-wing causes. For those on the right, the experience is alienating. The typical American's view on gender ideology or American history are often irrelevant to his or her day-to-day -day life. But for the conservative college student, life is punctuated by political checkpoints. Classes may begin with requests for preferred pronouns or land acknowledgments. A student who jokes about the wrong subject may face social punishment. All students should welcome challenges to their most cherished beliefs, but from what I've seen on campus, students are not invited to debate. They are expected to conform. And those who challenge liberal pieties can face real repercussions. Because a Princeton student defended an unpopular opinion about policing in a private conversation, she was pushed out of her leadership position on a sports team. At Stanford, students who experience harm because of who they are and how they show up in the world can anonymously report classmates to the university, a policy that some faculty members say threatens free speech. Sometimes young conservative agitators are dismissed cynically as attention seekers or opportunists, but in my experience, the negative consequences of conservative activism on campus, both personal and professional, far outweigh any benefit that they might incur. And tellingly, most conservatives report censoring themselves during their college years. Some might think that this pervasive progressivism would encourage conservative students to change their views, but in fact, it has the opposite effect. Graduates of schools like Loyola University Chicago, George Washington University, and um, others have described how the rampant leftism on their campuses pushed them to the right. A 2017 article in the Washington Examiner quoted a Furman University graduate saying that the aggressive leftist culture on campus made me a more radical conservative because I only had two options, abandon my beliefs and conform or fight back. She chose to fight back. Now this goes on a lot further, but the point here is this. Progressives are alienating a lot of people. And when they decide to make people care, 
they're actually causing a blowback. We're seeing this in rising public opinion polling that is more and more hostile to the transgender movement in the country. We're seeing this as this op-ed is, uh, writes and notes on college campuses. People who aren't even conservative are becoming conservative because there's safety in numbers there against the progressive wokes when they want you to believe the madness. There's that very famous picture, the Nazi Third Reich, where all the people have their arm up in a salute except the one man who stands with his arms crossed. And everybody draws a circle around that man and says, be like that guy. On college campuses, it's the progressives with their arms up in the air. And we're supposed to be like the guy with his arms down. It varies depending on where you are and which tribe you're in, but the pressure on college campuses to conform to progressive ideology or get rid of them, silence them, censor them, expel them, push them out of campus. In my law school, so my law school, Mercer University Law School, the bar passage rate has gone from when I was there over 90% to now about 70%. And it coincides with a massive shift towards progressive activism among the college faculty and their desire for college student recruitment to get a lot of um, kids in, in law school who have no business being there, but they check all the right diversity boxes for the progressives who've taken over the law school. The law school wouldn't be surprised if they close up shop in the next five years and they can't get their bar passage rate up. What's the point of having a law school when only a 70% bar passage rate? They've gone completely woke, and they, they've been trying to slowly force out all the conservative tenured professors, trying to bully them, badger them, take away classes from them, not allow them to teach the things that they're good at teaching, to try to bore them, drive them crazy, and get rid of them. The wokes are unremittingly hostile everywhere they go. They want you to sit in your struggle session and know how you've offended people. They're not caring about a good education. They don't care about your mind. They care about indoctrinating you, and this is fostering a lot of pushback now and it's actually causing a more radical brand of conservatism on college campuses, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's fighting fire with fire. The problem is that so much of the left lacks grace that this conservative strain that's coming off campus also lacks grace. And for society to function, there's got to be some level of grace. These academic institutions are hurting that. And frankly, again, this goes back to the student loan issue. I really do wish we would allow people to file bankruptcy and get rid of their student loans, and that would force colleges to restructure and go back to old ways of doing student loans so that not everybody could get them, to limit the pool of people who are getting student loans to force people to rethink how they're doing college. We need that shakeup in the academic realm because they're just polluting everybody at this point. So my kid has a queen-size bed. We've got a king-size bed. We got him bull and branch sheets, and he's used them. He had like kid sheets and now he's old enough. He doesn't want the, the action figure sheets anymore. Well, we got lost because I mean, the sheets look like our sheets, except they're queen size sheets and they got put in our closet and the kid was in despair. We got him Bolin branch sheets. They've gotten softer and softer. And he's like, where are my real sheets? He refused to sleep until we found the real sheets because they're that soft. They're that good. They're made with a 100% Organic cotton thread. They get softer in every wash. You can stay cozy all winter long with a set of Bolin Branch sheets. They really are that good. We have them on multiple beds in our house. My goodness. my Seriously, my kid, uh, he's finally like, my sheets are for kids. I'm, I'm grown up now. And 
it's just a, a step of quality above what he had. And now he's like, can't sleep without these sheets. They're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made without toxins. They're free of pesticides, formaldehyde, other chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress too, which I love because we have a very thick mattress on our bed and it fits. It doesn't like bunch up and then snap off in the middle of the night when you roll over. You can get 15% off your forced order Bowl and Branch sheets when you use promo code Eric at bowlandbranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Howdy. Welcome. The phone number, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Well, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, she's lost. She lost her reelection bid. For those of you keeping score at home, the mayor of Chicago for four years, people have complained about on the Democratic side was difficult to work with, uh, did not uh, take crime seriously in Chicago, didn't take attracting business and keeping business in Chicago seriously. All these things, 87% of the voters of Chicago voted against her, the incumbent mayor. This is the first time in 40 years an incumbent mayor in Chicago hasn't at least made it to a runoff. Uh, What's so crazy about it is she is big on defunding the police. In the last two, three weeks of the campaign, essentially on the campaign trail, said, hey, you think I'm bad? You think I want to defund the police? This other guy wants to defund the police. Well, that guy made it to the runoff. So you have uh, the the guy in first place headed into the runoff is a white guy. Uh, Second place is black. Larry Lightfoot was black. Uh, Fourth place was Hispanic. And uh, you've got the super wokes are back in the guy in second place. Everybody else is back in the guy in first place. They don't care about race. They want to sleep well at night. They don't want to be worried about getting mugged or shot or anything else in Chicago. And the crime rate has been through the roof. This is going to come back and bite the Democrats. We're already seeing it in in different parts of the country where soft on crime politicians are going down in flames. You've got Republicans, you've got Democrats, you've got independents across racial lines who have decided they want law and order. Do not be surprised when voters overcompensate on law and order and don't care. Because when it is the difference between I can walk down the street without getting shot and my front door kicked in at night while I sleep uh, versus uh, I got to carry a gun everywhere I go because I might be a victim of crime. People want to be safe, and they want the police to protect them so they don't have to protect themselves, but they will protect themselves by voting for hardcore law and order politicians and rejecting people like Lori Lightfoot. Welcome back. The phone number, 877-973-7425. I want to play you some audio here. Uh, This is my friend Chip Roy, congressman from Texas, making a great point on the floor of the House of Representatives. This is a little bit of a lengthy clip, but I want you to hear this from him. It's nice to have a member of Congress willing to say this. I rise today to offer an amendment to this underlying piece of legislation to ensure that it uh, applies to everything. I don't believe that we should be in the business of exempting certain executive orders. I think they should apply across the board. 
So my amendment would strike the exceptions to the bill's inflation estimates for executive orders that provide emergency assistance or relief or are related to national security. <clears throat> I don't believe that we should be pulling out of the calculation those executive orders that touch on national security simply because, frankly, often my colleagues on both sides of the aisle want to be able to use emergency for all manners of sins. And they want to be able to use the Defense Department to hide behind all manners of sins and expenditures. The underlying bill is actually an important piece of legislation despite what my colleague from Maryland is saying. Why? Because the executive orders being offered by this administration, and frankly by many administrations, do have an actual and significant inflationary impact. We are allowing the executive branch to run amok. We are allowing the executive branch to essentially legislate and make massive policies that have an enormous impact on everyday hardworking American people. That's why this legislation is important. Unlike our colleagues on the other side of the aisle, who like to use the power of government to be able to actually put gasoline on the fire of inflation by spending more money, by engaging government into the business of the American people, we want to be able to look at information about what government is doing to cause the problem in the first place. For example, the president's executive order on vaccine mandates. You don't believe that had a massive inflationary impact to go around this country, forcing people to stick a needle in their arm or lose their job, causing all sorts of constraints in labor supply, making it difficult for people to carry out their jobs? You don't believe that the executive orders on minimum wage, the executive orders on the Keystone Pipeline and uh, other uh, limitations on federal oil and gas leases, the executive orders with respect to WOTUS and NEPA and all sorts of environmental rules and regulations that restrict the ability of the American people to create wealth, create jobs, create opportunity. You don't believe those create inflationary impact? Of course they do. Our job in Congress is to check the executive branch. Our job in Congress is to stand up for the American people and get the government out of their lives. This amendment is designed to make sure that we're going to apply it equally to all manners of the executive orders uh, produced by the president, regardless of party. We believe that's critically important. And with that, I will reserve. That was Chip Roy, congressman from Texas, essentially making the point that we allow the government of the United States through the presidency to exercise way too much power. And they can do it in fickle manners. I was shocked to see CNN calling out Joe Biden's hypocrisy on the student debt and student loan issue. Even the president himself in a CNN uh, town hall in Milwaukee last year questioned and, and actually laid out the limits of his authority. Listen to this. I'm prepared to write off the $10,000 debt, um, but not 50. Mr. President, let me ask you. Because I don't think I have the authority to do it by sign of the pen. Then Speaker Pelosi said this in 2001 about the limits, again, of what you can do without an act of Congress. Here she was. <clears throat> People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. She later said in 2022, actually, we do have this power. But you can see those are two key people in the administration and the then speaker saying there are limits to this authority. And that's the real legal question here. Yes, 
never mind whether or not the president has the authority to do it. I mean, they, they said they didn't. One more clip here on this this bailout thing. This is this is Elizabeth Warren. And we are here today, and let me be very clear about this. We are here today because President Biden has the legal authority to cancel student loan debt. In fact, let me say that one more time and make them hear it inside. President Biden has the legal authority to cancel student loan debt. Now, you know how I know that? Well, I know it partly because I've actually read the HEROES Act that authorizes the president to take this action. Law. But I also know it because it is exactly what Donald Trump did. He canceled billions of dollars of interest payments that were coming due. He canceled them oh, for poor people and for middle class people, but most definitely for rich people. And not one Republican, not one raised an objection. We've heard enough of that shrill woman. Listen, this, I, I don't actually, it shouldn't be a partisan point, and sadly it's become a partisan point. It should bother you that a bunch of politicians have decided because of their partisan preference, the president can do something and has a power that they would be appalled at if a president of a different party did. The Constitution is the foundation of our country. It is the oldest still used written framework for government in the world. The Constitution sets three branches of government. They are not co-equal branches of government, contrary to what some people claim. They actually ordered them in order of importance. The legislature is supposed to be the most important the executive, second of importance, and the judiciary should be the least important. They have checks on each other. There's impeachment. There's the power of the purse. The greatest power of government given to the legislative body, the power of the purse, restrains the other branches of government. And just because the legislature isn't working doesn't mean other branches of government should have the power to legislate. That's the problem with conservatives who want courts to unilaterally rewrite Section 230 of the Communications Act. That's the problem with Democrats who want the president to unilaterally be able to bail out student loans and get rid of student loans and do so on the claim that COVID is a national emergency and he can use a law designed for 9-11 to help people in the military, use it to help everybody with a student loan get out of their federally backed student loans. You should have a problem with that. And part of the problem in our country is that not enough people do on the party basis. We have become as a nation so partisan and so tribal. We don't care about the underlying framework so long as our side benefits. There are people who championed outside and cheered on outside the Supreme Court yesterday. uh, The Democrats' position on student loans claiming that it's legal simply because they benefit financially. They don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about the division of power. They don't care about the legislative language. All they care about is the outcome. And when we as a society only care about
about the outcome and not the process. When the ends justify the means, we are no better than those third world hellholes that constantly have coups and revolutions. We're supposed to be grounded in our constitutional framework. The left has poured a lot of energy into trying to delegitimize that constitutional framework, that the founders were all evil racists. We must take their names off schools. They are systemically racist. Systemic racism is woven into the fabric of our society and into the constitutional structure. The three-fifths compromise is such a terrible thing. No one wants to address the alternative of what happened if we didn't have the three-fifths compromise. Guess what? There would be no United States of America. Is the world better off with the United States of America or not? If you answer yes, then you have to come to terms with the three-fifths compromise was a necessary thing in the history of this country in order to get the country off the ground. The constitutional order has to mean something. And when the president can unilaterally get rid of student loans because he's declared a national emergency and that will be his premise, when the president of the United States last year said he didn't have the power to do it, And the Speaker of the House said he didn't have the power to do it. And now suddenly he does because nothing has changed except the political climate. And he was afraid of losing an election and needed to fire up a portion of his base. And so he decided to spend taxpayer money. And in fact, the burden falls on those without college degrees because there are more of them than there are people with college degrees. And those of you who have a college degree, who did everything right, who did everything you were supposed to do, who paid off your student loans, or you have unsubsidized loans, so you don't benefit and you still have to pay your loans, it puts all of you at a competitive disadvantage to those who overwhelm themselves with debt and now gets a government bailout through an unconstitutional means of a president through unilateral fiat doing something that only Congress should do. You cannot tell me that a law written after 9-11 designed to allow waiver or modification of underlying rules and regulations allows the president of the United States to unilaterally forgive all student loans of the country half a trillion dollars or more. And the fact that people aren't outraged about it, there are a lot of things that get a lot of people outraged these days. And oftentimes I think it's a lot of things that that are, are things, God's got this, you can't be worried about it. But I think as an American citizen, when you see people want to undermine our constitutional structure and our constitutional order and our constitutional foundation, that's something as an American you really should be worked up about. And you got Elizabeth Warren out there saying the only thing that that stands in the way are these conservatives on the Supreme Court. Thank God. Thank God for those conservatives on the Supreme Court who can stand in the way of doing something that's not constitutional. And shame on Elizabeth Warren. She's no better than Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie Taylor Greene took an oath to support, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And this woman wants us to have a great national divorce and break up the country. Elizabeth Warren took an oath to protect, uphold, and defend the Constitution of the United States, and she wants to bully the Supreme Court into allowing the president to do something unconstitutional that Elizabeth Warren, as a senator, could try to do but didn't give a damn to try enough to do because she knew she couldn't get the votes to do it because there wasn't a congressional will to do it and yet is surrounded by a horde of people who says, but we want it, but we want it, but we want it. It doesn't matter what you want if it's unconstitutional. You, There's a way to do it. 
and you just decided you wanted to do it in a way that wasn't constitutional. And the precedent this sets is a precedent Republicans will be the next ones to say, well, the Democrats think it's unconstitutional, but hey, we're going to do it anyway because our voters want it. And both sides then slowly over time erode the constitutional framework. Both sides over time erode people's support of the Constitution. Every single thing involved here, everything at stake here, it slowly over time collapses the constitutional order in a way that makes partisans decide they can transactionally twist the words of our founders' founding document to get what they want, and that then renders that founding document and its words irrelevant to unscrupulous politicians who want votes by using your tax dollars to get them without any controls on them. And that is a terrible way to rule this nation. It makes us no better than the third world kleptocracies out there that are constantly destabilizing themselves and riot and protest. We are supposed to be the nation they strive to be, and instead we're becoming like them with both sides egging each other on. That's another reason so many people are turning to gold as a financial hedge against the uh, diplomatic and unstable turmoil around the world with the inflation and stock market, global instability and war. Gold is sometimes seen as a hedge against those things. It it tends to hold its price and can help prop up your retirement or your investment portfolios. You might want to reach out to Advantage Gold at 800-450-2566 and let them answer any questions you have about this stuff. Look, there's hyper-volatile stock market right now. There's major geopolitical turmoil. You've got questions about your retirement. You're seeing what's happening. Advantage Gold can answer your questions and maybe show you how to use gold. 800-450-2566. They are TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company seven years in a row now. They got the best prices, the best staff, the best IRA department. I will tell you, I'm always skeptical about this stuff. And and the reason I decided I I could recommend Advantage Gold to you guys is because I called them and threw all my questions at them, and they answered all my questions. And they didn't answer them gimmicky. They didn't know it was me. They answered my questions. They were reasonable. They were willing to say, yes, in this case, this would work. No, probably, even though it doesn't benefit us, we'll tell you it wouldn't work in this scenario. They didn't want to try to sell me. They wanted to reassure me with their knowledge, and they did, which is why I recommend them. If you're interested in gold, call them, 800-450-2566. Let them talk to you about how to use gold and precious metals for your retirement, for your investment portfolio to kind of add some stability to unstable times. 800-450-2566. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Let me take one more phone call here at the end from Steve. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, Uncle Milty. I mean, Eric. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Talking about Uncle Milton. <laughs> yes, I just wanted to encourage your listeners to go to YouTube again and uh, type in there Milton Freeman, free to choose. I think it's like mm-hmm. 12 different one-hour episodes where he goes through you know, free trade, uh, how government should act in a free society, and so mm-hmm. forth. And it's really, really good. Obviously, I don't have to tell you. But um, I just wanted to encourage your listeners. Listen, to, you know, one of my there. favorite um, Milton Friedman anecdotes there, and, and, and Steve, thanks so much, is, is after, uh, I guess it was in the 60s or 70s, he was taking a trip in West Germany at the time, 
Uh, back during the Cold War, it was divided into West and East. East was communist, West was free market. And, and he saw all these guys digging ditches with shovels. And he asked his driver, why are they using shovels to do this instead of bulldozers and, and heavy equipment? And the guy said, well, if you give them shovels, you you, you hire more people and, and more people get to work to, to do the job. And Friedman responded to the guy and said, well, then why don't you give them spoons Hire even more people. Uh, and, and his point was that you, you you bring in the heavy equipment and you allow it to do it. Uh, yeah, those guys don't have jobs digging the ditches, but then you free them up to go do other jobs. And that has been the free market contention. Uh, free market contention. Now, there is one caveat here, though, and that's things like free trade agreements, which I support. I, I support free trade agreements. But I can't help but recognize a lot of people got displaced by uh, those free trade agreements and they didn't go find other jobs. Uh, they didn't have training and specialization. And the government basically told them, well, not our problem. And it was. And that over time, NAFTA and the like, I think have caused the hotbed of resentment in this country we see among so many people. It, it probably directly contributed, in fact, to Donald Trump's rise as a candidate because people wanted someone who kind of understood that they had been displaced as a, in society and government basically told them, uh, who cares? Not our problem. Well, it was the government's problem since the government caused the problem. Now, before I get out of here, we're going to have to spend more time on this tomorrow because I didn't get a chance to get to this story, and I find it so intriguing. Uh, more black families are choosing homeschool for their children. And the spin on this uh, actually from CNN is that it's because since they can't be taught critical race theory in schools, they're, they're keeping their kids home and, and teaching them critical race theory. I don't care. Uh, I don't care what it is. The fact that uh, more parents, regardless of race, are homeschooling their kids is actually a good thing for this country. Homeschooling is such a good thing in this country. And the fact that more parents are doing it regardless of their motivation, we're going to have smarter kids if everybody did this. Good for them. We should be supporting it.